Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? This show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Uh, let's get this over and done with quickly because I've got an exciting thing to do this afternoon. Oh, okay. What? Go to the dry cleaners and pick up some dry cleaning. I'm having a tooth out. <laughs> so I'm in a big rush too. <laughs> I know. Um, will you get gas? No, I, don't, I, think they just, I think they just inject you these days, don't oh, they? Oh, I love the gas. Yeah. Why can't they just give the gas? Yeah, maybe I'll ask for the gas. I think it's risk of death is why they don't give it. But uh. I think I would sooner run that risk than have an injection. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. You get a bit floaty. Say some weird things. Mm. Um, You have to have a responsible adult take you home from the dentist. Aren't you nervous about what you'd say, though? Yeah. I would be too terrified I'd say something embarrassing. Do you remember when I had my wisdom teeth out and I asked the dental nurse out on a date? Exactly. God. Oh, dear. Um, okay, well, uh, yeah, may- maybe stick with your injection, although mm. as people who listen regularly know, that terrifies me. Um, I don't like going to the dry cleaner because I like trying to spot my clothes before they get them. Oh, do you? Sort of looking out the back and seeing where it is. It's very much like if you're ever on a plane and you look out the window and they've got the little truck bringing the suitcases and you're ah. trying to spot your own suitcase. Yes, I love that. But I can never see them. Mm. I don't think in decades of going to dry cleaners I've ever been able to spot my own clothes. Do you think they're real clothes on the hangers? Are they anybody's? Oh, don't, they're distractions. Yeah, just wrap, why would they have distraction clothes? I don't know, just props or something. <laughs> Maybe, to make them look more busy than they are. Yes. Maybe you're the only person that goes in there. We've uncovered something mm. here. Yeah. Um, so that's that's me today. You you haven't complimented me on my new haircut. I didn't, re- I didn't no, notice. No. <laughs> it looks very... And you've had a beard trim. Yeah. Am I right? It's all the same thing. Oh, okay. Um, I mentioned this because the hairdresser was very busy when I went there on Friday. Mm. Do you know what I don't enjoy? The way that you're too close to somebody else having their hair cut and they could overhear your conversation. Oh, that's really embarrassing. You don't want to hear your bad small talk, do you? Anyone no. else to notice it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so this weekend, uh, the other podcast that I do with Ed Miliband, Reasons to be cheerful. We did a live stage show version of it. Mm. 
and the hairdresser was asking me what I'm doing this weekend. But I had to lie oh. because I thought the person having their haircut next to me would think I was a show off. Yeah. <laughs> but really, you had, like for once, you had something really interesting, interesting to say. But I couldn't say it because I was too worried about what the person sitting next to me thought. Yeah. Look at him bragging about doing a thing with Ed Miliband. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I no small, my small talk was as excruciating as usual. Um, we did the live show of this podcast, this other podcast yesterday, and it, it went... Um, pretty well i think but a weird thing happened to me on the way there oh yeah so i've my best friend chris from manchester known him since i was like 18 19 whatever i was and he is a tech guy so he does sound and light and images and producing events all around the world and because i, I get nervous about going on the stage i asked him if he'd come and run the event yesterday, Mm -hmm. which he did when we did our little show at the Roundhouse Mm, last year. He's really good. So he he comes round in the morning, drives down from Manchester, he picks me up, he's got all his kit in the back of the car, and when then we drive to the theatre, which is in central London, and because the theatre's in central London, we need to find a nearby car park. So we're driving around and and, uh, we're in Chinatown and there's this underground car park. We're pulling into it and it's a bit sort of grotty outside. There's a skip and there's a guy smoking next to the skip. And I look at him and I think, God, he looks really like this guy we know, George. Now, George is also a friend of mine, but not as close. Mm. Uh, We don't see each other all the time. But again, I've known him about 20 years. Right. The weird thing is that he's not a smoker. But you're definitely smoking. Yeah. Hmm. Like, so, you know, you know if someone's a smoker or not, if you've known them that long. Yeah, Especially yeah. if you've known somebody so long that you used to go to the pubs when they were smoking in pubs. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, like, I've got my friends putting little boxes in my head which ones are smokers and which ones weren't. Hmm. And this guy looks so much like him. So, I sort of banged on the window in such a way that uh, if it wasn't him, it might just look like I was trying to kill a fly or something. <laughs> <laughs> and if it was, he'd see it was me. Right. So I do this in the window, and this guy looks up, and he gives me a big smile, and it's him. So okay. I wind the window, and I'm like, George, how are you? And he's like a little bit shifty. He's like, oh, I'm all right. I'm just having having a moment before I pick my car up. I've, I've been um, I've been shopping, and I'm like, all right. Well, and then the barrier's going up. So I said, well, we're just going to go park. We'll see you on the way out. Anyway, it then takes us forever to park. We have to go down like into the bowels of the earth to find a car parking mm. space. So when we come back, he's gone. We're walking down the street, um, and then he drives alongside us. He gives us a beep. He waves, and off he goes. So I like to say to Chris, that's weird. I, I, did you remember George being a smoker? He said, no, I don't. No, that's, that's very odd. I think get to where I'm going, and um, because I haven't checked Twitter in the last five minutes, I have to obsessively check Twitter. And I see this guy sent me a text message saying, oh, really great to see you. Please don't tell anyone you saw me smoking. No. So what's that about then? A very secret smoker. So he's maybe not quite my age, but 40-ish, like early 40s. Yeah. So do you think he started smoking at 40? Do you think he's always been a smoker, but like felt secretly ashamed and carried it around as a secret? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's really strange. Isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, I just sort of made a point of texting his mom (laughs) and his girlfriend. (laughs) To get it out there. Very weird. You think you know someone. Puns make us all stupid and ignorant and racist. This is The Drift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. 
Do you catch my... Adrift. Please share your story of social ineptitude with us and your fellow drifters. You can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Got a lot of response to... um, Unlucky. Oh, Last yeah, week. I mean, that yeah. was one of the greats, wasn't it? I felt sorry for the one before it, which any other week would have been like the, the memorable thing about the thing about the kid in the airport, the father oh, with his son in the airport toilet. That one was amazing. It as was well. amazing. Yeah. But I mean, unlucky is, mm. you know, it's, it's in the pantheon of the all time great email we've ever received. Yeah, yeah. This came in this week from Sean. He writes, I just wanted to share with you an excruciating event that happened to me at the weekend and one I'm still struggling to process. I popped into town on a busy Saturday afternoon with my wife and two-year-old daughter on a hunt for new shoes. It was pouring down with rain and we wanted to park as close as possible to the shops. We decided to park at an outdoor pay-and-display car park rather than one of the ticketed ones with barriers. I didn't have any change, as my wife was keen to remind me, but ever confident in modern technology, I trusted that I'd be able to pay by card. We got out of the car and the girls headed straight to the shops to get out of the rain. I went to the machine to pay. Sure enough, it had a chip and pin slot as well as the option for contactless. Hooray, I thought. I was right. But I wasn't. Despite following various laborious steps, the machine just wouldn't accept my payment. I was getting increasingly wet and now too was the growing queue behind me. I began to panic, fearing the shifting of shoes, tutting and raised eyebrows of the waiting hordes. After my fourth attempt, I was about to slink back to my car in defeat when I noticed the woman behind me was holding out her hand. Flustered but grateful, I took the coins from her hand, nodded my thanks and paid for my parking. It was only when I turned around again that I realised she hadn't been offering me her change at all. She was merely counting it. In the blink of an eye, I just stole a £3.50 from a 60-year-old woman in broad daylight. You weren't offering me that, were you? I said sheepishly. Um, came her confused reply. It soon became apparent that she didn't have any further money to pay for her own parking. And I put her in the exact position I found myself in just moments earlier. I opened my wallet hopelessly, offering her my useless card or non-existent note. Suddenly I was filled with panic. The queue behind me looked appalled. Just as I felt all hope was lost, a man behind me came forward offering the cash the lady needed and she paid for her parking. I apologised again and again and shuffled off, utterly mortified. Oh my God. Still now, I'm not really sure why I took the unoffered cash from a stranger's hand. (laughs) What I am sure of though is that I'll use the multi-story next time. (laughs) That's very good. Yes. Also, maybe there is an alternative system of finance whereby people just pay for the person in front of them. (laughs) It seems to be working quite well in that car park. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is from Julie. In 2011, after getting divorced after a 23-year marriage and being dumped by the one who came after, I went on my first ever solo holiday. Feeling proud of myself for learning to put up a tent, I took myself off to Cornwall and bathed in the sun, full of confidence in my abilities and feeling like a female Bear Grylls. (laughs) During my holiday, I went down to the local beach. The weather was just amazing. It was Sunday and the beach was rammed. I found a place, not easy, right at the far side by some rocks and placed my towel down reluctantly next to a group of young people. A lovely couple of hours passed, although the young people were quite noisy, but I had my headphones in which made them tolerable and I thought I'd go and cool down in the sea. Sitting on a rock with my feet in the water, not swimming, I'm not mad, and I've seen Jaws. (laughs) Half an hour later, feeling refreshed, I turned to go back to my towel, and it was gone, and so had the young people. 
I'll add that I was wearing quite a small bikini with an ill-fitting bikini top. Usually I'd put a sarong on, but I was right near the water's edge, so I thought it was safe. I frantically walked up and down the packed beach. My bag with my car keys had gone, my phone, everything. And people started coming up to me asking me what the problem was. At their suggestion, I went to the pub, which was on the beach, and explained the situation to them, asking if they could help, all in my tiny bikini. (sighs) They were horrified. Crime just didn't happen there, and the locals all swarmed round with concern. A lovely young man gave me a clean shirt he got in his bag and walked to the car park with me to see if my car was still there. It was. The landlady gave me a drink to calm my nerves and let me use the phone to call the police. It was level 10 fuss and drama on a scale of one to six. And I loathe fuss and drama of any kind. And I was in the middle of it all in an ill-fitting bikini with my substantial chest spilling out everywhere. <laughs> While waiting for the police in the pat pub, I went on back onto the beach in the vain hope that I might see my things. And there, exactly where I'd left them, were my things. And the young people that I'd marked out of these were still there too. <laughs> As I'd been sitting on the rock in the sea, the tide had gone out, which changed the coastline. I missed the key here. I've been looking in the wrong place. I was so mortified at having to go back and tell the people in the pub that I almost thought of just leaving and never returning, but decided to be a grown-up. The entire pub cheered. The landlady passed me the phone to ring the police, who, when they answered, said, Hello, Julie. Oh, not to worry. We'll let the officers know and enjoy the rest of your holiday. For two days afterwards, I was still getting people stopping me saying, oh, you're the lady who lost her things on the beach. It was like being an episode of Doc Martin. On a positive note, I now go there regularly and this was a great icebreaker as I'm treated like a local. That does make me want to go to Cornwall. Sounds so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you've got a story of your own failed human interactions, your attempts to fit in, pretending to know what you're doing, all the stuff we've talked about, shyness is nice, etc., etc. Please send us your story, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Adrift. To Florida and Annabelle Port. Adrift. Annabelle, you've prepared a story. You left us on a cliffhanger last week. Yep. Because you, you, you hinted that there were two separate occasions when you fell foul of animals. Yes, I've had a crime committed against me by two animals, a pigeon and an elephant. Now, the more recent was the pigeon who held me hostage in a branch of the greetings card shop Cards Galore. (laughs) We're going back about 10 years and it was the Cards Galore in Hoban in central London. Sadly, the passage of time has taken from me the memory of who I was trying to buy the card for. If I had to guess, I'd say it was a greetings card, a birthday card for a friend. Mm. It's just a guess. But I do remember passing it, thinking, oh, I need a card and popping in. So it was an impulse visit to the shop, not a planned excursion. My next memory is of browsing the cards and being vaguely aware of the two shop assistants. Now, I was in my early 30s at the time and they were a lot younger. They were both young women, somewhere between 16 and 18, basically teenagers. I I was their senior by many years. And I was browsing the greeting cards for a good few minutes because I don't like to pick up the first one I see. I see a card I give someone as a reflection of my own taste. So it's important to get something nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was taking my time and then the crime happened. A pigeon flew straight in through the open shop door and it was not in a relaxed mood. It didn't just fly (laughs) in and hop on a tiered greetings card shelf, have a look around and then fly out. Mm. It was like it was angry and desperate. Agitated. It was agitated. That's exactly the word. It was agitated. And it was like it was being chased by the pigeon MI5 or even actual MI5. (laughs) And it was cornered and panicking. And the only way it could see out of the situation was by holding three women hostage (laughs) in cards galore. 
So it did. It flew in, flapping angrily. It flew about the shop very aggressively, occasionally flying at one of us, which I think was its way of communicating. I've got the feds after me, but they're not taking me alive. I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory and I'm going to take you all hostage in cards galore. And then he's probably screaming at the feds, I'll pet them to death if you don't let me go. I know this is what was happening because we were already scared. And every time one of us tried to make a dash for the exit, the pigeon flew angrily up by it and blocked it. (laughs) Now, there was a point where I think I could have made a break for it out of the open front door. But I couldn't leave these two young girls with this pigeon because Mm. I'm their senior, as I've said, by many years. They're looking to me for answers and help, even though it is their own cards galore. And what if I leave them and he pecks one to death and the other one he keeps hostage for so long that she develops Stockholm Syndrome and refuses to ever leave the pigeon? I have a duty to stay. And I try to help. I call out at one point, have you got a broom? (laughs) I don't remember if they have because in all honesty, it gets a bit hazy at this point. Although I'm pretty sure that the MI5 don't burst in and shoot the pigeon dead. In all likelihood, I think it probably just eventually flew out the open door. But I was held hostage by a pigeon in Cars Glore for around 15 minutes. Right. The second crime was committed by an elephant. Now... I've mentioned this to you before, Jeff, yeah, and you claim yeah, yeah. Cl- you claim what I'm about to tell you didn't happen. But I think you saw it on TV and you've mixed yeah. it up with your own memories. Yeah, yeah. But I remember very clearly going to a circus when I was very little, sitting, drinking a can of 7-Up, then an elephant <laughs> going past, reaching out with his trunk and stealing my can of 7-Up. I am so sure it happened, and I know you don't believe me. But, but the way you've described it previously is like it, it got the Seven Up can with its trunk, yeah, and then sort of tipped the open can, the contents into his mouth yeah. using his trunk. Yeah, I know you don't believe me, but I don't care, and that's okay because I have got three key eyewitnesses. Okay, my dad, yeah. my mum, and my sister—they were all there. My dad. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get hold of because <laughs> yesterday he was at Lakeside and today he was at Bowles. And he has got a mobile phone, but he doesn't take it out with him, which isn't at all annoying. My mum, though, I called her this morning and she remembered straight away. And the memory was still clearly bringing her a lot of delight. She said, we're in the front row. The elephant looked at your drink speculatively. <laughs> curled its trunk around it and then trundled off and it was hilarious i asked her if i was okay she said no you're really crying then i messaged my sister asking if she remembers she replied immediately she wrote yes you cried her overriding memories my tears i pushed her for any further details and she called me she had a very clear memory of the crime first of all she says it was a can of r white's lemonade not seven up oh well these (laughs) stories don't match up and it was on the floor beside me, not in my hands. She said the elephant broke off from his troop. <laughs> <Big business>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> broke off from his troop and came towards us. And we were both cringing and shrieking and clinging to mum and dad. And the audience were all staring. And then, then the elephant put his can on the trunk and slurped out the lemonade. <laughs> And everybody now was really laughing, which made me even more upset. So now I was really crying and my sister clearly remembers being delighted that I was crying. (laughs) If I was in therapy, I think I'd have a lot to talk about this week. (laughs) And if there are any other witnesses to this crime that want to come forward, please please feel free. And then then the elephant saw a mouse and there was a small chair there and the elephant got up on the small chair because it had seen a mouse. It happened. Hi, uh, do you mind if uh, just signing on this uh, clipboard? Uh, it's just four dollars a month. You can give money to this charity, and then uh, it will just come straight out of your bank account. And then we can turn into an evil corporation and take over the universe.
universe and then kill babies and small children and women. Jeff Lloyd, um, Annabelle Port, Adrift. If you enjoy the podcast, we would be very grateful if you showed your support on Patreon. If you'd be willing just to donate a small amount every month, that would help us enormously from just one American dollar. Uh, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, stroke adrift. And uh, maybe maybe a few more people support us, I can buy some new socks. Oh, you low on socks, are you? I've got lots of socks, but they have many holes in them. Oh, well, that's normal, isn't it? How, how long is a sock supposed to last? <laughs> that's a good question. I would expect, I would want two years out of it before a hole. There's actually, no no like... way I'm getting two years before a hole. Why do you think you, a lot of wear and tear with your shoes? I don't know. This is what I can't walk out. I can't work out. I don't think I walk in a peculiar fashion. Maybe someone's put sandpaper in your shoes. It's grinding <laughs> them down. Sabotage. Yeah. Um, I could, of course, learn to darn socks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you, could, you could learn to do that. There's, I'd be very surprised. It's probably a YouTube video. Yeah. That wouldn't be good for my self-esteem. You'd have to buy a darning needle, like, though. Less than a year off national oh. radio, <laughs> sitting at home, darning my socks of an yeah. evening. Yeah, don't do that. Mm. But then maybe I could start a business darning other people's socks. You darn them all mine if you want. And, and and then it could become this huge thing and it could be like a rags to a raggy socks a raggedy socks to riches story. Please do it, please. Well we'll see. But as you say, I need to buy the darning needle and yeah. unless, you know, the Patreon support um comes in. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. So you can support us on Patreon. We are also long time listeners might be thinking things like sleepover, space ice cream. Coach trip to South End. Like they'd be thinking that it's another grandiose idea. <laughs> I like how the coach trip to South End is already in the category of space ice cream and a sleepover. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is my dream. point. This is my point. Like we really do want. To, I mean, we really wanted to do those other things. Yeah. But this time it's on our shoulders, Annabelle. Okay. The last time it was delegated. We had someone else to blame. Yes. Now we've only, we've got, only ourselves. got ourselves to blame. Mm, okay. So um, you know that's that's uh, something we can look into for Patreon supporters as well. In fact, it wasn't the way we left it that you were going to look into this coach company in South End? Oh, I completely forgot. Right. I'm so sorry. I'm, right. I'm going to report back on that next week. I mean, what have you been doing all this time with the newborn baby? <laughs> Watching Pointless. Right. Uh, anyway, um, news news on that to follow, and <laughs> it. Um, it will happen. I'm sure it'll happen. Dream, believe, achieve. In, in the summer. Yeah, yeah, late late summer. Yeah, late summer. Won't we talk about the illuminations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to investigate that too, okay. yeah. Um, Patreon.com stroke adrift. Please, please, please get in line and stand by the wall. I'm not going to shoot you. This is a show called Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. So my wife invited two people round for lunch on Saturday. Okay. A couple. Mm-hmm. We we make a delicious meal for them. Oh, good. Um, I'm, I make my dips beforehand. Oh, your nice dips. My um, my spicy hummus and my mum 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 mum. I'm not quite sure what it's called. Okay, but it's like a nice red peppery tomatoey dip. And then for our main course, mm. we make. I think you've had it when you've been round. It's called a, a gado gado. Oh yeah, it's lovely. It's a tofu celeriac. And potato gado gado with kale. Mm-hmm. It's like a spicy peanutty sauce. It's lovely. It's one of my favourite things. I very much enjoy it. The conversation's going well. I enjoy my gado gado. I look over and it seems to me that neither of them have had more than a forkful. 
So their plates are still quite full? Yes. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I carry on eating, then all my food is gone, all my wife's food's gone. I look over to them. It doesn't seem that that has changed. Hmm. Now, I know we've got pudding coming. Right. So I don't know what the etiquette here is, mm. whether I can just get the pudding and start eating it <laughs> while they've got all this food on their plates. Yeah, yeah. So I say what I've heard people say in restaurants sometimes. It's like, oh, you're still, you're still going with that? Okay. And like, yes, yes, yes. And then there's no progress made. So I think maybe I overface them. Oh, you gave them too much. But did I overface them or did they just not like the food? Oh, no. What's the rule with overfacing somebody? <laughs> Am I allowed to go and get my pudding? Also, there was a point at which I would have quite liked to start putting things in the dishwasher because it was going to take at least two loads. <laughs> and I like to get ahead of myself with this. That's a question. What is the etiquette yeah. of all this? I find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> For advice on this, I turned to Ulrika Johnson. You probably know her from television, most recently Celebrity Masterchef, but in real life she is a maestro of entertaining at home. So Ulrika, you are somebody who, you like having people around your house. <laughs> uh, yes, yes I do. I, I like, um, I like invite, I mean it doesn't happen crazily re- um, often or regularly, but it also means I'm on my territory. Right. And that's much more that's much more comfortable for me. So you don't like going to other people's houses as much? Not ma- not not as much. But you've got more <clears> con- you've think... got more control over the, over the end of the evening if you go to somebody else's house. You can just leave. It's very difficult to get somebody out of your house. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> not <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so what what's your tip for getting rid of rid of people who've outstayed their welcome? Lots of yawning. <laughs> Yawning and basically starting to clear up, right? And 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 saying, I mean, there are certain points in. I mean, you can obviously control certain. If it's a meal, you control when the food is being served. You control control when you can push on for the for the next uh, sort of course if you're doing a course, and then saying, right, anyone having coffee? No. Yeah. And then, and actually, maybe this is the Swede in me. I don't know, but. It's not been beyond me to have said in the past that, oh, well, um, I think I must head off to bed. I've got an early start in the morning. <laughs> is, that, is that really awful? Well, no, but then are you leaving the people partying in your house? What if they were still there when you got up? Well, actually, that did slightly happen on my 50th birthday when I, when I had a little um, ding-dong here at, at home, a little bit of a lunch and a dance in the evening and then I'd been up so early and I was so exhausted I just went off to bed and everybody else has carried on listening to my playlist that I'd laboriously put together <laughs> the trouble the trouble is if you have people around for lunch and yes. you would quite like to have an evening to yourself it's kind of ah. like delineating where, where, where the cutoff point is especially if you move from the kitchen into the living room then then yes. people just don't know when to leave no and that's probably made even worse where I live because the kitchen is the living room. It's one big, it's one big room. You're not living a, in a bed set now, Ulrika, are you? <laughs> I was just going to say it's re- it's a big room, and then I'm thinking it's not that big. But if I say it's not that big, he really is going <laughs> to think I'm living in a bed set. Uh, <laughs> no, it's got a kitchen bit. 
dining table and then a couple of sofas. Now, it's very close. It's only like two meters between like the table and the sofa. And if somebody makes themselves comfortable, it's, oh, that is hard. Yeah, you're right. And lunchtime is a really tricky one. I mean, I have children. I could use them as an excuse. Or could I? Yes. Yeah, so I I can use the baby as an excuse. Yeah, definitely. Like you could pinch him and make him cry and say, "Gosh, I think he's coming. I think he's coming down with a temperature." Yeah, yeah, that's good. So finally, <laughs> when is it okay to start putting things in the dishwasher, knowing that it's probably going to take several loads? Oh God, it always does. And do you know what? What I do all the cooking, and I do that because I love it, and I feel very selfish doing it because it's something that I love. People always say, "Oh, but you always get so much trouble." And I'm thinking, "Well, no, this is my indulgence. I love this. It's great." which means that my husband, Brian, ends up doing the washing up. And he gets all the sympathy, right? It's like, poor Brian, he's washing up. And I'm thinking, hang on, I've been prepping for two days here. You know, I've, had, I've been cooking in the kitchen since five this morning while he was sleeping in, and he's, he's washing a few things up. As a general rule, we tend to, it often ends up, we start clearing the plates and start kind of, rinsing things off pretty sharpish that and then guy, it's that out of the way. That a hero. <laughs> Poor man. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realize you're in a sewer. That's not the case here. Right now you're on a lake, and it's, it's really nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. It's a play on words about water. I want to say thank you to one of our listeners, Paul Varela, who, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, back when we were doing the radio show, um, you'll remember that he wrote to us when his daughter was born, yeah. like me and like old Annabelle sitting over there. He had quite a struggle to have a baby and then... Him and his wife, I think, rather than partner, uh, ended up with a daughter called Matilda, and it was this lovely story. Yeah, it's beautiful. And because I was sleep deprived, I was <laughs> when I was reading it out, I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. Yeah, I remember. Um, that. Anyway, I mentioned earlier that I did this live show yesterday with Ed Miliband, and Paul came along to that. I didn't see him, but he sent some um, packages backstage which I subsequently opened, and there were gifts for Annabelle and myself, um, or I should say there were gifts for our the next generation of the Adrift <laughs> podcast, for Eugene and Rudy. So what did you get? I got a lovely T-shirt, and it's an Adrift one, and it says, Mummy's Little Drifter, and then it's got a picture of us, the Adrift thing. Yeah. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, which I'm going to make him wear to all the baby groups I go to, so all the other mums know that I've got a second-rate job. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I know. I love it. It's great. 
Uh, and I, I got one which says, Daddy's my reason to be cheerful, because the other podcast Aww. is called Reason to be Cheerful. And, and the artwork from that podcast is on this T-shirt. And, yeah, maybe... Um, Maybe I'll send him to nursery in it so the people at nursery <laughs> thinks, well, he moves with the political elite. <laughs> yes. He doesn't seem the type <laughs> when he rocks up here in the morning with his terrible small talk. Aww. But look at him. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for these, Paul. And that did get me thinking, you know, we should get some adrift bits and pieces, tote bags and T-shirts and so on. Um a, a while ago, I had the idea that we should just do a T-shirt that says "Shyness is nice" on it, uh, and I thought, "Oh, a drift listeners would love love to get their hands on yeah. one of those." Um, and then somebody pointed out to me that would give the um, the Smiths legal recourse to sue us. They wouldn't sue us. All the records we've bought off of them. I mean, they M- Morrissey doesn't seem no, the type like, to be no, litigious no. about a small thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe that's something we can get in touch with Kim who made our artwork and mm. see if she's got any ideas for, for things that, that we could do. Yeah, I noticed that you've done merch for your other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a team working on that I podcast. I know, I know, I this know. This is just me and you. I know, I know. I'm wearing merch for oh, the other team. Uh, you are? I'm wearing merch for the other podcast. Look. Oh, it's great. Ed Says Crumbs. It's, it's like amazing. a Frankie Says Relax t-shirt. Oh. And I've got Ed Says Crumbs because Ed Miliband is the only... Um, person i think beneath the age of 80 who still uses the word crumbs amazing as an exclamation i love it so yeah we've had a few bits and pieces made but um i, I won't be so vulgar as to advertise the merchandise store oh, no. for the other podcast on this podcast no, no. that would be beyond the pale you will be reminded of this show and this feeling adrift when you wake up jeff lloyd and annabelle port adrift all right so a new thing we're trying out and um hopefully it'll become a flyer, uh, is an idea we talked about last week. You tell us about any given interaction, social situation, whatever it is, and we'll try and figure out what the rules are. And then that way you and your fellow drifters know how to behave in any given situation where these things are unclear. Yes. We haven't got a name for this yet. No, one will emerge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was on a rhyming dictionary before we started recording saying, what rhymes with rules, rules, schools, tools a bad workman always blames his rules <laughs> and it wasn't you know okay. it, it wasn't a good brainstorming session no but i think you know it's worth getting going with this and hopefully we'll, we'll get a title as we go on and if you have a suggestion of course um we would welcome that absolutely yes yeah, so um what's the first one so this is from mo and it's about bus queuing although um he or she is mo I think could be what, either. Yeah, yeah. Like I the, should know because I know the name. Well, Mo is a Maureen, isn't it? Usually, or or Mohammed, or Morris, or Morris. Yeah, Maurice. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm can I've got this instinct that it's a woman, so I'm just going to go with she. Okay, okay. So she does say that I've. Oh, in fact, I don't know it's a she because later on it mentions it. Um, <laughs> well, that was <laughs> that was worth all that palaver, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now she says I have emailed you before about bus etiquette and I asked when you're permitted to close or open a window on the upper deck mm. without it looking like an aggressive move towards fellow passengers I don't think there was ever a filing final ruling on that mm. so any further comment on that I think if the temperature is beneath 12 degrees you can't open a window okay that's that's just a given. Like it's an it's an act of hostility if the 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 temperature of the day is above twelve uh, b- beneath twelve degrees, you can't open a window. Okay, 
like unless something very very weird has gone on where the bus feels like a sauna but you've really got to ask yourself am i going through the menopause is that what's <laughs> happening here is it you know am, am i in a terrible fever dream but you know it has to be extremely extenuating circumstances terrible smells no i don't i don't think really? so yeah yeah Wow, the ostrich. Like I think the smell would be have to so be so bad that passengers were looking at each other and going oh. like rolling their eyes a little bit. I don't think you can make that decision unilaterally. I think even just one little bit of fast food and I think it's okay to No, absolutely day. not. No. Oh. No, no. Act of hostility on a cold day. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Mo goes on and says I have a bus stop nemesis. She hates me. I don't suspect she hates me. I know she does. Myself and my nemesis stand at the shelter. I always look at my phone and see when the bus is due. Then I walk over to the actual stop. They're quite a distance apart. Therefore, I'm normally first on the bus. So far, so dull. However, my routine has recently started to send my nemesis into a rage. The rage must have been building in her heart until last week she exploded. She shot across from the bus shelter and barged onto the bus in front of me in quite an unseemly manner for 7am. She started ranting about me, always jumping queues. But there was no queue. It was just me at the stop. The shelter is not the queue. She did it again the next morning, but I was ready for her. And it resulted in a rather undignified arm wrestle to get to the oyster card <laughs> machine first, followed by major chuntering and extreme dissing from both of us. Though given I'm a weary commuter, not a kick off the arse from 15, and she's about 10 years older, I don't suppose the bus driver and other passengers saw us as a threat to the safety of other fellow passengers. With hindsight, the whole fight was rather humiliating. And yet, this seething resentment is building. Every morning, I now have to prepare myself for some major league tutting and glaring, and worse still, questioning of my queuing etiquette. Please help me. Am I a bad person? Have I queued wrong? No, you haven't. No, absolutely not. The sh- I mean, it was in there. It's in the body of your text. The shelter is not the bus stop. Okay. Yeah. So, the sh- the shelter is there for you to huddle. Right. Um. Yeah, to take shelter from the refuge, from the elements. And then when the bus begins to approach, okay. then you start to queue. And, and and if you really want to be at the front of the queue, yeah. then you are paying the price by not getting the shelter. I have I have mixed feelings about this. Go on. I feel that so, so someone could just rock up and they've not been standing there for 15 minutes and they could just rock up and take the, the, the only remaining seat. Yeah, but that's that's... That's the thing, you know, you, you make the choice. Am I going to get wet? Am I going to have the wind to blow in my face? Mm. Or am I going to get a good position on the bus? It's an either or. It's like you have to choose what is important to you, where your priority lies. They need to ticket these things. Like like at the deli counter. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, like they that. do. Yeah, they do need to That's do that. That's the only solution. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, another one? Yes. Great. So this is from Peter. He says, for context, I'm 37 and work for a global bank. 24-year-old me was sure that by age 37, I would be confidently striding around the office making charismatic quips and loved by all. (laughs) Instead, I'm begging strangers for any advice you can offer. Please. There is a long corridor, maybe 15 to 20 metres, between the area where I work and the gents with glass doors at either end. Occasionally, when entering one side of the corridor, you spot someone you know entering the opposite end. Cue the sweats. Question. 
At what point down the corridor do you make eye contact and or verbally acknowledge their presence? Too soon and you're awkwardly mm. staring for an eternity as you approach from afar. Too late and you're worried that they might be blanking you or even worse, they might think that you're about to blank them. Shudder. Then when you reach them, do you speak? You're not aloof. Of course you speak. But what do I say? Uh. My inner monologue is growing increasingly frantic <laughs> as they approach. The sense of I'm it's growing rapidly. I've already said good morning by our desk. Yeah. I've exhausted my repertoire. It has to be short and non-committal so that neither of you feels obliged to stop and chat. Disastrously open the door to more awkwardness. Ah, he ends. Well, in a way, I think you're asking the wrong person because this is the, the exact same struggle that I would have. I'd say something like, oh, I'm busting. Oh, in terms of small talk, yeah. yes. But, but I mean, do you have an instinct on this? Um, in terms of when to acknowledge each other, yep. I think just from the moment you both make eye contact, surely. Well, I do agree that if it happens from too far afield, yeah. no, then, then it's okay to look away. I, I know what you do. Yeah. You make eye contact whenever they do. Yeah. And then you always have something in your hand that you need, like your phone, that you need to look at for the right. rest of the journey. Right. So this this is what I was going to say. This is what okay. I did when I worked in an office environment. Okay. Like as soon as I needed to move around the building mm. at all, mm. I would take my phone out of my pocket right. and put my head down and be looking at it. Uh, oh, so that would save it all of the problems. Yeah. Then, yeah. So you might do it as you pass, you might go, oh, you're right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like just the whole time be looking down at your phone. What about a sheaf of papers? That makes you look really busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would recommend a sheaf of papers and then a, you're right? Yeah. That's fine. You're right, it's all fine. We've, we've fixed this. There we go. There we go. Um, if you have any quandaries, if you want to know how to behave, what the rules are in any given situation, I mean, I think we've just proven how good we are at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, please, you know, get in touch. We need a name for this feature. We will come up with one. But in the meantime, share with us you know, your, your, your dilemma of not knowing how to behave as you interact with other human beings, and we, we will tell you what the rules are. Uh, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. You can support us on Patreon. Just a bit of small change every month helps enormously uh, to keep us going in life, keep us alive, that is. Patreon.com stroke adrift. And if you're an iTunes user and you haven't yet given us a rating or review, please do so, providing it's a, a high rating and a good review. Thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week was provided by the wonderful Ulrika Johnson, who you can find on Instagram. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made the eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Share your story of social ineptitude with us or if you have a situation in which you would like to know exactly what the rules are, uh, ask us for advice. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, thanks to either 7up or R. White's Lemonade for making such elephant-friendly beverages. Adrift. Adrift.
Okay, this comes from Philippa Laguen de la Croix, who mm. says, Ahoy, Jeff and Annabelle. Ahoy. This time last year, I made a podication request in honour of my awesome dog, Wardy. 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 I don't think I've ever come across a dog, which is like the nickname of a surname before now. No. This is, this is, this is good stuff. Mm. Um, it was read out, and whilst Wardy showed no visible signs of being impressed, mm. I am sure he meant to wag or look up mm. or something. But mm. life is tiring, and if it isn't food or a walk, then it's unlikely to register. <laughs> Please don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's his birthday again on the 31st of January, as that's the way birthdays work. And he'll be the ancient age of seven this year. Mm. That's about 50 in human years. So he's probably starting to think about retirement, (laughs) seeing as his current life consists of sleeping, eating, sniffing every single thing in the park and more sleeping. I can't see that retirement would get any better. He's living the dream, that dog. So not to Wardy this year. But I'd like to podicate this to my best friend, Panny. She helps to look after the awesome Wardy, and apart from him, is the bestest best friend that a girl could have. So thank you, Panny, for all the time and love you give to Wardy Chops. And thank you for helping me look after my mum the year before last in her illness, before she passed away. And thank you for all the meals you cook and all the time you give to our friendship and all the thoughts you have on how we can make life better. Enjoy this podication, Panster. She sounds amazing. She did. Oh. And then I just read ahead. Oh, go on. Obviously, despite my recommendation, <laughs> Panny doesn't listen to Adrift. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, she but sounds then, awful. as expected, no one that I know does. No. Okay, fair enough. This, this is a problem. This is a problem. I do worry that we've found the exact amount of people <laughs> who would want to, want to enjoy this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, it's fruitless and that's to try it. and attempt anymore. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's a, a sort of long-term model in that, but, you know, we've got a while longer yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, GLAP team, keep up the mediocre work. I promise to sort that Patreon stuff out if you read this out. Peace oh. and love, Philippa. Okay. Done. Yeah. All right. Cool mill every month. <laughs> Philippa. Cool mill. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, this comes from Alex Alex Walsh, who says, My husband introduced me to your podcast shortly before Christmas, and in the past few weeks I've recommended it to my brother, two closest friends, and my NCT friends. And? Who I think may have interpreted the recommendation as an implication that they were socially awkward. Hey-ho. Oh, oh. But any news on whether any of them took up the recommendation? Well, I'm, I'm adopting a no news is good news me too. policy. Me too. It's my husband's 40th birthday on the 3rd of February, so I'd like to podicate this story to him, if I may. I'm writing to tell you a story told to me by my husband about something that happened on Christmas Day at their family home in Dagenham, Essex, many moons ago. The family, parents, two boys and two girls, settled down for the evening to watch Only Fools and Horses Christmas special. When there's a hurried knock at the door. My husband's dad answers the door to a rather shocked-looking man holding a cat carefully in his arms. The man is clearly distressed and tells him, I'm very, very sorry, but I've accidentally run over and killed your cat. Passing the dead cat to Hubby's dad, he apologises and runs off. 
Mark's dad brings the cat inside and lays it down by the fire in the front room. The cat's clearly not yet dead, but in distress. And the family gather round in shock to say their last farewell to their beloved Moggy. Silence descended over the group. The girls were crying. Then Mark's mum tilted her head and said, That's not our cat. (laughs) I know, Mark's dad replied. I didn't know what to say. (laughs) And so it was that their family spent that Christmas on the phone to the council and wildlife incident investigation team nursing somebody else's much-loved cat, Mm. which was defecating and vomiting everywhere to its final breath. What? Don't laugh. (laughs) That's the sad bit. The defecating and the vomiting. (laughs) Okay. Um... Although the story doesn't end well, it, well, it did for Mark's cat, obviously. I like to hope the person who did own that cat may be listening and comforted that it passed away <laughs> surrounded by a loving and caring family on that Christmas night many moons ago. Comforted by hearing you laugh about the final moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was feeling like there was a point at which, which sentence was it? Let me just, um, when, uh, when Alex writes... The family gather round in shock to say the last goodbye, farewell to their beloved Moggy. I welled up. I thought I'm going to start crying here. Oh, wow. But then you're quite right. By the time, like, somebody else's cat is, like, puking and pooing all over their carpet and ruining Christmas, mm. I, I was finding it funny. Okay. I'm sorry. sorry. Does that make me a bad person? No, you went through a lot of emotions I did. in a short space of time. Yeah. Um, well, do we, we do get your husband's name, don't we, Mark? Um so this is the the podcast is podicated, I guess, from Alex Walsh to Mark mm-hmm. and to, to any of the, those other people who may have started mm-hmm. listening to the podcast, yeah. unlikely as that may be. But Mark, I hope you have a good 40th. Alex can test them to see if they are listening because they will or won't say, oh, I heard your podication. Yes. It's a test, isn't it? Very good, Annabelle. Yeah. I do think, though, even people who listen, they've often sort of drifted off by the point we get to the podication. That's, that's so. true, yeah. And uh, to Panny, I've got very mixed feelings about. It. She sounds amazing, but mm. she's not that great. If she, you know, she she no. can't just put in the effort to listen to this. No, but I'm really into Philippa. Yeah. Now that I know she's going to donate on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. If you would like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.